Good morning, everybody. As some of you possibly know, we have put a swimming pool into our backyard. And so I have a little video I wanted to show you uh, to show off my swimming pool. I hope you'll enjoy it. Okay, join me as I swim a few laps. Here we go. One. I better do those faster. Hang on. Let me show you my flip turn. I'm going to need a better solution. Hang on, I'll be right back. Generations Church. My name is Rick Cook. I want to start by telling you briefly about the first time, I think, that I heard the gospel. I was about 14 years old, and my older cousin had recently learned the gospel bridge. It is a presentation, a clear presentation of how the gospel the cross of Jesus Christ can save a person. And I remember, I loved my cousin. I had so much respect for him. But when he shared the gospel with me and showed me the bridge, it had no effect on me. I remember I kept the sheet of paper he drew the bridge on. I had it in my desk drawer for years. But I guess I felt like I was okay, I didn't need the gospel. Now, I, I, I wasn't top in my class in school. I was awkward with uh, girls, I think. I didn't make friends early, uh, easily. But one thing I felt, I guess, that gave me confidence was being part of the swim team. I always loved to swim, and that is really where I put my energy and all my effort throughout my high school years. Um, while other people maybe worked hard on getting A's in school or other people spent time with parties and with friends, I put my effort into swimming and I invested in that. And I feel like I achieved many accomplishments, best times, articles in the uh, local newspaper, in the school, high school newspaper. And I felt like that was enough for me, but I recall it was at the end of my senior year, and I had worked so hard, particularly between my junior and senior year, uh, swimming twice a day, swimming uh, year round, and all my time, all my effort was put on improving my swimming accomplishments. And as I approached my last swim meet of my senior year, what I recall is I decided I would give everything for that last swim meet to 
achieve my final goal that I had set for swimming. And so the night before the final meet of my high school career, I got together uh, with my friends and we made the plan. We would all shave our heads. Now, you have to know in those days, nobody else shaved their heads. This was even before Michael Jordan had shaved his head and only people on the swim team had a shaved head. What I realized when I shaved my head with that bald head, I realized it was really ugly and I didn't like it, but it didn't matter to me because I felt like I had already spent so much effort. A little more effort was okay and worth it, shaving my head. I recall as I was swimming my event, I swam with confidence and with hope and I finished and I touched the wall and I tried to see my time up on the clock. Now, of course, I couldn't wear my glasses at the time. So I was squinting, trying to read what my time said. And when it finally came clear, the blurry letters, blurry numbers came clear to me. What I saw is that not only had I not achieved the goal that I had set for myself, what I saw was that my time was slower, slower than my junior year time. I had invested a year in my life and gotten worse. How do you think a high school student would feel in that situation? I was devastated. I recall I went home and I moped and my mom and my dad, they tried to encourage me. They tried to say, Rick, it's okay. You go to college next year. Don't worry about it. And in hindsight, I guess I agree, right? It was just swimming. It was just a small part of a long life. But why did I feel so devastated? because that was the one area of my life where I had confidence. That was the one area that gave me hope that I could be something or do something. I recall that night I went to bed, I lied down on my bed and I couldn't sleep. And in about midnight, I I sat up in my bed, I clicked on the light switch And I walked over to the mirror. And when I looked into the mirror, what did I see? I saw that ugly, bald head. And it represented to me everything I had invested in swimming. And I recall that night, I wept and I didn't say a literal prayer, but I had a prayer. I distinctly recall I had a prayer in my heart. And the prayer was this, God, if you're real, I want to know who you are. Reveal yourself to me. If anybody ever asks me if I believe that God answers prayer, I will tell them this testimony. Within several weeks of me making that prayer, my sister, uh, my family only had two children, me and my older sister. My sister came back from her sophomore year of college. And when she came back, she was transformed. She was a new person. And she began to explain to me the gospel. And at this point, my heart 
was prepared and my heart was eager and I was ready to learn and I was ready to embrace the gospel, the word of God that she gave to me. What was different between the first time I heard the gospel from my cousin and that time? Think about this. The sower, the person preaching, in both cases, they were wonderful. They were my, uh, one was my cousin who I adored, who I idolized. The other is my sister. The preacher was good. The seed, the message, the word of God, that was good. It was exactly the same. So what was different between when I was 14 and when I was 17? The difference was the soil. My heart condition had changed. And that is what Jesus is talking about in Mark 4 verses 1 through 20. It is the parable of the four soils. And so we're going to go through the condition of four different types of soil. And we will see what Jesus has to say about each one of them. Let's pray as we get started. Lord Jesus, speak to us through your parables, and may our hearts be good soil this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and look at the passage. We start uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and he sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. Uh, we are in chapter 4. So we've gone through chapters 1 through 3. And we've seen immediately, immediately. And Jesus continues to do action after action. Demonstrating his authority. And he's begun to draw crowds together to him. But now we're pausing. We Throughout chapter 4, we're going to see a series of parables. And parable after parable. And Jesus will... Teach us through the use of parables. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, and so we turn now to the parable and what we are encouraged to do is listen. <laughs> he who has ears to hear, hear. Parables are not necessarily completely easy to understand. We have to focus. They challenge us to think, what is the point of this parable? What is it teaching? What is it saying? And what we will find if we focus on it is the parable without us even realizing it may capture our heart and transform us. That's the power of a parable. So Jesus starts, listen. So let us listen this morning and see what he has to say. It says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Well, we might be wondering, why would the farmer Sow seed on the path. Obviously, that's not going to work. I think we need to remember what a farmer in the ancient world would do. He'd have a, a sack, uh, probably on a strap over his shoulder. And as he's walking along the path on his field, he'll be taking handfuls of the seed and he'll be scattering them. And in order to get from edge to edge of the field, 
he's got to have some waste. So some of the seed, as he scatters up near the edge of the path, some of the seed will fall on the path. That's the way the farmer would do it, how the sower would do it. So he throw to the right and to the left, and some would fall on the hard-packed soil. And what we see is that that seed doesn't survive. The seed on the path, on the hard-packed soil, where the path is, where people walk all the time, that just sits there and it just acts as an attraction to the birds who eventually or quickly will come and eat it up. So that does not work. Jesus goes on, some Another soil, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. So some of the seeds as the sower is planting goes into areas that are rocky. So there's a little bit of soil and the plant can take root, but the roots can't get deep. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Again, this is not effective. The third type of soil, the other seed, fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked out the plant so that they did not bear grain. Here in this case, there's some soil that has um, thorns or briars or it has... um, some roots down there, or it has some seeds of these plants. And those seeds are competing with your good seeds. And as they compete, as they fight with each other, they can overpower the good seeds. And eventually, uh, they will not bear uh, harvest either. So we see the problem of the third soil. And then finally, verse 8 and 9. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. I hope you get the excitement of that because you have a farmer who's put out the grain and then a crop in the good soil, a crop comes up. And this isn't just a good crop. This is an absolutely amazing crop. An amazing crop because it's not just 30 times, but 60 and 100. 100 times, this is an abundant crop. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Are we open to hearing? Think of Me, when I was 14 and my cousin David was preaching to me, I couldn't hear it. The preacher was good. The sower was good. The seed was good, but my heart was hard. How many of us, when we hear something, we just tune it out. How many of us, when we hear somebody tell a story over and over again, we eventually just tune it out? Uh, an example of this, I think of my Uncle Dick who passed away a couple years ago. He lived well into his 90s and he was fascinating. He had a PhD in Japanese history, so he always shared an interest in uh, Asia. And um, 
he traveled the world throughout his lifetime and he had fascinating stories from World War II period and Vietnam era and the modern era, on and on. But as he got older, he sometimes picked a couple stories and started to repeat them. I remember he had one story where he talked about his daughter, adult daughter at that time, had joined a master swim team and how Uncle Dick got recruited because he was over 80 years old and the team had nobody else 80 years old. And so Uncle Dick got recruited and all he had to do was finish the race and he could, he could win. And so he described swimming and how he could barely stay up and he described dramatically how he got to the end of the race and he went under and the bubbles are going up above him and he touched the wall and he just barely claws himself out of the pool and someone yells down at him, Dick, you won! <laughs> and he loved that story. And the first time I heard it, I loved it. What a wonderful Uncle Dick story. But then the second and third time I smiled and then when I heard it like the 10th time and the 15th time, well, I loved Uncle Dick, but when he would launch into that story, my ears would kind of close off. I'd listen a little bit, wait for the story to end. We are being encouraged by Jesus here. Don't do that. When we hear these parables or when we're looking at the Word of God, when we're looking at the Bible, some of these stories are so familiar to us that we might just close our ears, that we might just say, oh, I know this one. I've seen that one. But no, we are encouraged. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Let's see what Jesus goes on to say. He's going to explain. When he was alone, he's going to explain to the disciples what was going on. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parable. So let's see what he has to say. He says there are two kinds of people. Let's look at the two kinds of people. He told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. Note there are two kinds of people to you and those are people on the inside and to others, they are on the outside. And let me finish reading this. And then I want to spend a couple minutes trying to understand it so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving. These are the ones on the outside that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. These are difficult verses and they are extremely challenging to us. So let us try to get a sense of what is going on here. There are people who are inside and there are people who are outside. Inside. Inside the kingdom. They know the secret of the kingdom. They understand the mystery. Paul picks up on that. Paul talks about the mystery and he makes perfectly clear that the mystery is Jesus Christ, the mystery of the kingdom. 
is Jesus Christ himself, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Think of the Old Testament prophets. They spoke of the mystery. They spoke of a secret that was coming, but they did not fully understand. They did not fully understand that the secret, that the revelation would be Jesus Christ. But now that truth is not a mystery because Jesus has come and proclaimed. He's been revealing the truth of the kingdom, that it is about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Those are the people are on the inside. They know the truth. They know the mystery. But on the outside, these are people who reject the kingdom. Now, these are people like Pharaoh in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus. Like Pharaoh in Exodus, they have chosen their path. What we see in the book of Exodus is Pharaoh has refused to accept the warning that he gets from Moses. It's a warning from God and Pharaoh has hardened his heart. He has decided he will reject that message. And the Bible also says that God hardened his heart but notice that Pharaoh made his choice. He hardened his own heart, but the Bible also says God hardened his heart. What we see is that God did not override his free will in the book of Exodus, but the message closed his heart. So as Moses preached prophecy, as Moses spoke against Pharaoh, that hardened his heart further. Pharaoh had chosen his path. Pharaoh had made his own decision and he had sealed his fate by doing that. And the preaching only solidified that decision. And so what we need to stress is Jesus is not hiding truth from anybody. Jesus is not hiding truth from sincere believers. So let's look at this passage again. This is a quote actually from the book of Isaiah. Um, So, Everything spoken to the outsiders in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. This is a quote from the book of Isaiah. And at the time of Isaiah, the people as a nation had made a decision. They had hardened their hearts and there was nothing that the preaching could do except solidify their decision. And God tells Isaiah, you will preach, but they won't listen. They won't repent as a people. But there were some individuals within the nation who would respond to the gospel. And so Isaiah went and he preached to them. They would not turn. For those who would hear, there is a promise, there is a hope, there is a gospel. And that's the same thing when Jesus came with his message. There were those Pharisees who'd already closed out their mind and the preaching just solidified their condemnation. But Jesus is seeking people with a good and open heart. And he's speaking to these people now. And he wants to explain the parables. Then Jesus said to them, those who have an open heart, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any 
parable. And Jesus now gives this invitation to listen and to understand the parable. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path. We have a farmer, we have a seed, and we have the people. Which one is determinative? Which one determines the outcome? The farmer is the same. The seed, the seed of the word of God, the gospel, the word of Jesus, the seed is the same. The preacher, the sower, the farmer is good. The seed is good. What is determinative? The receiver, the soil, or the soul of the listener. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. This is, this is like in my case, somebody who has a hard heart. It just bounces off. Someone who feels self-satisfied. This just bounces off. Of them, I recall I took my father to hear one of my favorite preachers when I was in college. I'd been praying for, for, for a couple years for him to go to church with me, and I invited him. And he finally came to my church where I knew the gospel is preached every Sunday, and I looked forward uh, to the message. And I recall as I was coming home, and I was so glad he was there. It was the perfect message for my dad. And I hoped he would hear it because... Uh, me, the college kid, you know, my older dad, I didn't think he respected me, but the pastor was a little bit older than my dad and was a powerful preacher. I asked dad, what did you think of the pastor? And he said, oh, he was fantastic. And I thought, yes. And then my dad said, did you notice how fantastic a performer he is? Did you remember when he started to cry during the sermon? Oh, that was great. And I thought, what? Is that all you got? That was a gospel message that Jesus wants to transform your heart. And my dad wasn't ready. It was as if the gospel just bounced off of him with no result. That's the hard heart. Let us examine our own heart. The next soil, others like seed sown on rocky places. Hear the word and at once receive it with joy. Somebody goes to a Christian concert. They go to a Christian weekend conference or they go on a retreat and they have this, woohoo, this great sense of joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. These are people who get so high, spiritually high, but they're unwilling or unable to plant their roots deeply. And persecution does come. Persecution will come. Think of in the early church. Those Christians who experienced Pentecost, those who were there on uh, the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. But eventually, not eventually, actually fairly quickly, 
they began to experience persecution. Some of them were rejected by their family. Some of them were expelled, excommunicated out of the synagogue. Persecution came and was real. When trouble and persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. That was an experience of the early church. And Satan will always use sorrow, trouble, and persecution to draw people away from God. So Satan is sowing sorrow, sowing trouble, sowing persecution, and he's hoping to pull people to himself through these things. But notice the irony. Ironically, in good soil, trouble and persecution draws people closer to God. The tools of Satan, even so, they can be used by God in good soil to draw people closer to him. We go to the third soil. Still others like seed sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. This is so much our problem in our generation today. Uh, uh, our, Our world, our culture, our society, we could call it a third soil society. It's where these Things come in and choke out the word of God. What does it talk about? It talks about the worries of this life. Worries of this life. What does society say about the worries of life? Take care of yourself. No one else will. Worries. Bills. I remember... Speaking of bills, I remember I had a friend who had recently moved from Taiwan to Chicago and we were visiting him at his house and he was talking about all of his expenses. He was talking about how expensive the rent was. He was talking about the price of insurance, talking car payments, uh, all different expenses that he had, electric bills and on and on and on. And he said, at one point he said, you realize I could just... We were sitting in his kitchen at his kitchen table. He said, I could be sitting here at my kitchen table all alone. I could shut off the lights and I could put my head down onto the table and the meter of what I owe would continue to click, 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 click. The worries of life that can choke out the word of God. Deceitfulness of wealth. What does society says? Wealth I challenge you, Generations Church, who among us does not agree with what what society says? Society says wealth brings security. Wealth brings power. Wealth brings happiness. I feel that in the United States, we so easily are deceived and we must fight against that. That is a challenge for us. Finally, desire for other things. Society tells us, indulge yourself. Try it all. Get all you can. And as we seek after other things, what we find out is it stifles our heart for God. 
and we end up seeking the wrong things, attracting the wrong friends, the wrong companions, things and people that lead us away from God instead of drawing us toward God. We want to cultivate a desire for God not for other things. But then there's finally the fourth soul. Others, fourth soil or soul. Others like seed sown on good soil. Hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Feel the abundance. It's not just 30 times better. That's good enough, isn't it? If I could experience an abundant life 30 times better than what I have, but the idea here is, no, not 30, 60. No, not 60. 100 times better. When we are the good soil, we can experience an abundance like nothing else. I have so many cables in my house. I have cables all over the place and I have to plug them in. I like the new USB cables because they can go in upside down and right side up both ways. But cables are always such a pain and you try to put them in. And for me, I almost always put them in upside down and you push and you, you, you get it in. It might be a little crooked. But then there's that moment when you hear that satisfying I think of the click of a seatbelt when you push it in, shove it in, not quite right. No, no sound, nothing. Click, push, push, push. And then all of a sudden, click. That satisfying click that you are connected. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for that connection with God where we get that satisfying click. And we're connected with God and we can experience abundance 30, 60 a hundred times what we have other a hundred times what we have ever experienced what is the difference the sower is good jesus christ who's teaching the parables he is good the message he brings the gospel is good what is variable it is the soil the soil of our heart if we are good soil, we can click in and connect to God and experience in abundance. What was the difference between when I was 14 and when I was 17? By the time I was 17, I had reached the end of my self-sufficiency. I realized I needed God. For any of us this morning, if you are realizing you've reached the end of your self-sufficiency, maybe in athletics, like in my case, but maybe in work, maybe in your marriage, maybe in your parenting, maybe in another area of your life, but if you feel and you recognize you've reached the end of your self-sufficiency, that is the opportunity for our heart, for our soil to become receptive and to say yes to God. God, yes, I am open. I want to know you. 
I want to experience your abundance. I want to connect together with you. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would work in the heart and lives of each of us and that our hearts could be open to you for anybody who's suffering, who's recognizing they've reached the end of their self-sufficiency. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in their heart and their life and help them right now to click, to connect together with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.